Hello, and welcome to episode three of Principle of Moments podcast, brought to you in association with Hanover Fox Executive Search. Now, just a reminder, if you missed either of the first two editions of the podcast, you can catch up now via the website at www.hanoverfox.com or via Acast or any of the main streaming providers. In today's podcast, we continue to discuss whether success or a passion for elite sport makes you better able to manage in business. And joining me as we discuss this subject in more detail is the former captain of England and Bath Rugby and director of Hanover Fox, Phil de Glanville. Thanks for joining me again, Phil. I'm going to start today by asking you about how businesses can take something that isn't working and have the vision to turn it into something that does work. Now, my mind is immediately drawn to Canadian billionaire Stuart Butterfield, who, on realising that his original idea of global domination in the video game market wasn't going to work, he took the communication tool that they'd created whilst trying to get Glitch off of the ground, and they turned it into Slack, which, as we know, became a runaway success. Absolutely. And if you look at the technology that we've all been using, you know, with Zoom and Teams, you know, that technology has absolutely transformed, you know, back to when we all you know, signed up and using Zoom back in March in the first lockdown. And you compare how fast that technology has developed in the last year and also what they're doing as a business now and to open up opportunities you know, other than just the video conferencing they've moved incredibly fast you have to be you know on the, on the front edge of all of these things obviously they wouldn't have planned for a global pandemic to tra- absolutely transform their business but um they, they were in a position to take advantage of it and, and and they've done that very well i would say something also about the scale of the business you know when you know at hanover fox we we obviously talk to businesses in in completely different stages of development and if you are a startup trying to scale up you know that's very different to potentially a kind of global organization that's moving from a regional supply chain and operations approach to a global one you know there there's different challenges for for depending on the the maturity stage of the business and, and understanding that and certainly when we talk about you know what talent fits best into there you know, some people are very good at, at taking a startup and scaling it up. You know, others work much better in a mature business, refining it, you know, looking for, for kind of step changes through through mergers and acquisitions into into other spaces. And, and you have to understand that people are, are stronger in, in, in some scenarios of a, of a business's maturity than in others. I want to mention the, the importance of simplification. Now, have you ever found in your professional career, be it sport or business, management or managers who set game plans and objectives that were simply too complicated to be understandable to everybody? So their chances of success overall are less. Uh, plenty of them, Tim. And and I would always come back to, you know, keep it simple, you know, the, the, the KISS principles. <laughs> keep it simple, <laughs> stupid. Um, and, and, it, and, and it does, it does, it, it absolutely does. And, and uh, people, I think, seem to, seem to believe that uh, complexity is a demonstration of, you know, superior intelligence. But, but believe me, it's not. Um, it is much harder to 
simplify things and you know write a 10 word summary that's at the core of what you do you know rather than a three page one it's much harder uh, to, to strip out words and to actually go back to the core of, of what it is you're trying to achieve so i i would i would definitely say sim simplicity and i i know the human brain and around any kind of presentations you know you talk about you know three the power of three you know anything more than three in terms of bullet points um the, the human brain starts to to lose focus and and to discount less is more and keep it simple stupid definitely I want to mention stress management as well. You would have been in positions of very significant stress as part of an elite sports team. How were you coached to deal with those situations and then turn negative energy into positive? And again, you know, how important is this for a modern manager in a business world to be able to cope with stress i mean the stress before you're playing an international if you looked at any of well any of the teams that are playing in the six nations at the moment it, it is very hard to deal with you know, you're going to go out in and particularly the 24 48 hours before a game because the, you know the week is fine when you're preparing but that last 24 hours is incredibly stressful you, you know you're going to go out and perform in, in front of all the people, you know, when crowds are back watching in the stadium, but also the millions on TV. It's very hard to stop negative thoughts creeping in. We were never coached to deal with that. When you kind of go back to the late 1990s, we kind of started to introduce sports psychology and we had some great approaches to it. We would write down what the best attribute of our fellow teammates on the night before a game and those would all be kind of torn off, put a, put into an envelope and you would get your, your fellow teammates kind of positive vibes about what they, what they liked about you and what you brought to the team you put under your door. Uh, the night before the game, which was tremendously uh, motivational and, and reassuring. But, but let me tell you, I think that that is the, the area that you know, sport and elite sport has, has concentrated on the least. Really strong on the physical and on the technical developments, um, the game aspects, the psychological, I think, are still way behind. And you go back to, to how England performed in the last World Cup, doing so well against New Zealand and then so badly against South Africa in the final, I would say 90% of that is down to psychological preparation and understanding that as they built into that World Cup final. You know, there used to be moments I can remember, you know, you're playing New Zealand in the pool game in, in the World Cup. That's a tortuous 48 hours before that, you're trying to stay on, on the positive side mentally um, rather than slipping into worried about making mistakes and worried about letting your family down and worried about you know, letting everyone else down in, in the country. It's, it's a huge amount of pressure. They won't talk about it and you know, they wouldn't probably share that publicly, but I suspect that, that 24, 48 hours before a, a major international is still battling with that kind of pressure and emotionally trying to turn those potentially negative thoughts into positive ones. It's very difficult. Perfection though, it never really happens. And I came across this quote, uh, there was no name attached to it, just said, perfection never happens. So simply don't waste your energy pursuing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you ask an elite sports performer, you are always striving for perfection. And, and I would agree. I wouldn't say it never happens. I'd say it rarely happens. You might have heard people talk about a flow state mm -hmm. where you're, you're in a, a situation where actually 
everything is happening unconsciously and all the decisions you're making, you know, all the years of training, all of the instincts you've got, um, it is all happening as, as, as if in this kind of state of flow. And I've, I've experienced a couple of games where that's been close, where actually everything, you know, everyone says everything's gone right. You are in that state of flow where you're performing as you have trained to perform. I wouldn't say it never happens, but I, I would say it rarely happens. It never happens for a whole game. It does happen for significant periods of games. And I kind of you know felt that myself. One, one match, I'm, I hate to bring Gloucester up, but <laughs> Bath played Gloucester at the rec and we ended up putting, you know, 70 points on a, on a very physical Gloucester team. And they just basically couldn't tackle us because every time they came in to tackle someone, the ball had already been passed to someone else. Clearly sticks in my mind as a game coming off after that and you're sitting in the change room, you're thinking, that's about as close as it gets to perfection. I came across quite a few features and studies and articles that hinted at uh, new models of, of behaviour and thinking. Now, some of the suggestions, leaders and managers need to learn how to lose and lose gracefully. Uh, a need to build a workforce where you can lose without being considered a loser. Management and companies need to be willing to fail. And also, I've been coming across lots of these groups that are set up where leaders and entrepreneurs openly discuss their failures. So it seems rather than hiding, people are being encouraged to bring these things out and discuss them because ultimately, when you lose, you learn. And also, if you're afraid of failing, where is the innovation? Innovation requires failure because you are not, you know, how can you, if you're trying new things and trying to innovate, there is going to be a significant failure rate. There has to be. Otherwise, you're not, you're not trying the right things. You know, you're being too conservative with what you're trying. So I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, the thing about failure in, in elite sport, everyone, you know, fails. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, you know, everyone is going to have bad games, etc. The difficulty is if you're making the same mistake, and I think this particularly applies to business, it's fine to make a couple of mistakes in a particular area and, and that should be encouraged but if you carry on making the same mistake then then that's an issue so you know when, when you're talking about failure it also kind of depends on the scale of that failure doesn't it um you know is, is failure dropping a ball in, in in a game of rugby you know no you've got to kind of put it in some kind of context you know if is, is failure mm. kind of having 20 percent of your share price wiped out because there's been a, a safety issue with, with a particular product. You have to put it in context of scale of that failure is. But, but I think if everyone is afraid to fail, that is a very bad environment. You've got to create the environment where people try things. They're encouraged to try things and, and you know that sometimes it won't come off. But if you're not trying those things, then you're not pushing the boundaries and you're not innovating. As we draw to a close, I just want your opinion on one particular man. Now, there haven't been many studies that have been done by uh, Harvard's Business Review about successful sports team managers, but they did a very, very in-depth review on Sir Alec Ferguson in his final year at uh, Manchester United. After 26 years, he'd won 13 league titles, 25 domestic European and global titles. He'd influenced 
ran through the club. The professor who put the report together, Anita Elbase, uh, called him one of the world's all-time great leaders. Um, and when they looked at his management style and they looked at the reasons he was so successful, uh, creating structures for long-term. The first thing he did when he came into the uh, club, even in uh, times of success, he would renew and rebuild, setting high standards and holding everybody to them, uh, never ever seed control, prepare to win, uh, rely on your own powers of observation and never stop adapting. What are your views on Alex Ferguson? <laughs> well, that's uh, uh, you know that, that that's that, that that's instinctively from that report sounds you know you've got all the components there of uh, of what it takes to to not only to create but also sustain an elite sport environment, um, and, and and that is two separate things because it's it it's I would say it's easier. Um, but I, th I think it is easier to create an elite sporting environment and 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 you know, to be to be winning and for for players to be fulfilled and to be challenged and to be developing. Yeah, that that is it's difficult, but it's easier than to sustain that. Uh, sustaining it over a period of time, and particularly as Sir Alex Ferguson did, is is, is absolutely incredible because it's so difficult. Yeah, you 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 got to start with. Yeah, that your, your talent and and how you how you blend you know new players in you know who what type of player do you recruit you know what type of mentality of player do you recruit as well as uh, from a from a skill set point of view and that is so difficult um yeah jack Rowell did that very well at bath and dave robson who was the chief scout he he did that very 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 well and and you know we we ended up with you know eight or nine years of uh, of success at in in the nineties mainly because he was very good at that he would he would blend new players into the group um, but but he also knew the type of player you know from a mental aspect as much as a physical that he was trying to to bring into that environment um, you know it was a pretty tough environment and I suspect that. Uh, the environment at Manchester United, you know, is back to the standards. You, know, you, you as the leader, and and so Alex Ferguson obviously created that. But you, you then want your players to be self-managing it. You know, they are the ones, their peers, they're the ones pushing each other on and up. Uh, and 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 then actually, as a as a manager, you can take a probably a, a little bit of a back step and and let the players do it for themselves because when you've got the players doing it for themselves you know that's when it's going to be embedded in everything that they do uh, uh the way they behave the way they train the way they play the way they prepare um the way they engage with each other um you know everything they do off the pitch that if you've got those peers challenging each other to be the best you can be then 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 you're you know, it's not necessarily your job's done but yeah that that is when you're you're going to get into a position where you can actually have a sustainable performance over a long period of time, but but certainly you know I don't think anyone's ever come close to <laughs> to Alex Ferguson and what he achieved with that with that Man United squad. Uh, 
Club was former England and Bath rugby captain and director of Hanover Fox, Phil de Glanville. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. And don't forget, if you missed the first two editions, you can hear them by the Hanover Fox website at www.hanoverfox.com or via any of the main streaming providers. That's it for now. We look forward to having your company again on the next edition of Principle of Moments. Until then, from me, Tim Cable. Bye-bye for now.